Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Seriously, man, you don't really think we're going to see any Canutes and 41 Rockies jerseys here at Coors Field, do you? I mean, no offense, I know you're a local and all, but that was a long time ago. You never know. I've seen some old guy jerseys around here, haven't you? In fact, I actually heard from a really good source. You mean you saw it on Twitter. Whatever. I heard that Chad Cool's wearing 41 now for the Rockies because he grew up a Milwaukee Brewers fan and he watched me wearing number 41 back in the day. That, you know, that's pretty cool, right? I see what you did there, Mark. Yeah, okay, wait. Look, he's right over there. Let's just go ask him. Well, you know, we probably shouldn't bother him. What do you mean? We're media. That's our job. Follow me. Uh, okay, but, but let me ask him. Hey, Chad, I'm Mark Knudsen. This is Manny Randall. We do a podcast called the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. He came up with the name. Congrats on your great start to the season. Are you liking it here? He's got a question for you, Chad. Okay, I heard somewhere that you're wearing number 41 here as a Rocky because, you know, I wore it a while back. A long okay, while back. Okay, whatever. I wore 41 in Milwaukee, as I'm sure you know, since I heard you grew up a Brewers fan and all. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, grew up in Delaware. Um, you know, kind of watched the Phillies kind of growing up, but uh, never really heard of you. So when they gave me 41, I don't think it really had some uh, significance behind it. Sorry. Yeah, what's what show am I on? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Sometimes it is possible to win for losing. For the Colorado Rockies, the struggles at the big league level have created the chance to draft young talent early and often. They've done so well recently at the drafting part that their farm system has gone from one of the worst in MLB to now one ranked in the top 10. On this week's episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast, Manny and I talk with MLB draft guru Jonathan Mayo about the sudden boost down on the farm and what that could mean for the immediate future. We seek answers right after this. Stay with us. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. Well, Manny, uh, they say that you can't win for losing, but the Rockies seem to have done just that, and I don't know what's more shocking this week than beating Max Scherzer or suddenly finding their farm system, which was woefully ranked near the bottom, selling out in the top 10. Major League Baseball, you have a guest this week that's going to help us figure that out. Absolutely. I've got Jonathan Mayo, the great Jonathan Mayo of MLB Pipeline, who, uh, you know, is uh, among the foremost experts on minor league baseball and on the farm systems and of each league. And, uh, boy, we could use a little help here this week because um, <laughs> it was really great uh, for the Rockies fans to see Jonathan uh, Jonathan's latest uh, re-rank of the, uh, of the farm systems in baseball, jumping from, I think it was number two, like number 24 ish to number nine. And uh, that was quite a jump. And then suddenly, uh, you know, everybody in the Rocky system is like, just, just hitting, hitting, tearing it up. I mean, kid uh, Goodman, I think seven homers in eight games. And you have Toglia who just got called up literally like uh, two hours ago or something. All this is happening so fast. And for Rockies fans who are used to nothing happening ever and everything being just kind of moving at a snail's pace. Jonathan, help us kind of figure out what's happening here. Uh, thank you for those kind words. Uh, I will Venmo you after the, after we're done recording. You bet. Um, that's what I'm that's, 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 that's today's equivalent of the check. That's how it works. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've been doing the Rockies top 30 for a long time. So I, uh, you know, 
I, I've been there with you and, you know, wasn't that long ago where finding 30 guys to write about was challenging, you know, and the, the Rockies weren't alone in that, but no. they been a, a very dry spell and quite some time since they had had a, a, a top ranked mm-hmm. farm system. And they, you know, they were creeping up little by little over the last say year and a half. Um, but obviously this is a huge leap. And, you know, I think what makes it really interesting and probably pro- more promising, I mean, listen, get, bringing in talented players, no matter how you do it, is, is is exciting. But there were other teams that made leaps because, say, they made a bunch of trades. Um, you know, but I think what happened with the Rockies is, one, in terms of an influx of talent, they had a very good draft in 2022. Right. Uh, like a really exciting draft, a lot of, you know, uh, highly thought of guys. I, I thought it was a deep draft class. And two, this is the thing that's the most exciting, and you kind of hinted at it, Manny, their guys performed. Like yeah. so many guys took steps forward offensively, you know, I'm sure we'll get to the pitching or lack thereof, but, um, but there are so many guys who really took steps forward who were interesting and they went from interesting to top 100 guys and then guys, you know, behind them who aren't top 100 guys, but look really good. So um, it, it, a lot of their leap was performance based. Now, a lot of their guys are still pretty far away, so we have to wait and see once they get to, you know, to to the upper levels, right. but it's definitely trending in the right direction. This has been a uh, bottom heavy organization since uh they graduated, you know, Story and and Freeland and all those guys like, you know, in 2016. Yeah. But now, do you see them uh potentially because here's the thing, they're they're a for some reason, we we can't figure it out. Still, they they seem to want to try to compete, right, in the National League West and 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 for the postseason now. And it's like, okay, you know, they held on to, you know, they they extended their closer who's thirty nine, and they are you know making moves that signify, and he's been good, Daniel Bard, but making moves that signify you're ready to go for it now, try to get back to the postseason. Do you see them, given that mentality, trying to maybe? deal from within their organizational ranks because this is something they never do is they don't like to part with guys ever. it seems like ever. So do you do you see them maybe finally dipping the, dipping down and saying we're going to try to get a couple of pieces for for the for the next two or three years before these guys finally some of these guys finally start getting up here i mean i think without having had those kinds of conversations and and right. you know knowing what makes their brain tick but you know given with the people who are making the decisions have been with the organization forever, you know, there's still a certain philosophy. So I do think, you know, they rely on being homegrown. They will continue to rely on being homegrown. Uh, I think the hope is some of those guys will be ready. Uh, and some of them I think will be ready a little, you know, maybe ahead of schedule. And then maybe they, they'll be willing to, you know, to trade guys within that, within that window. Uh, and I think, you know, and this is pure conjecture, but when you're making decisions to extend guys and 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 maybe they, it was a pretty cost efficient, efficient extension, you know, I, I don't know. You do need those parts, you know, in the moment that's trying to find a middle ground where you're still trying to put out a product that people will want to see right. in the big leagues, uh, even if they're not going to win, but maybe, you know, they'll be interesting. They're competing. They feel that they're starting to close the gap. We'll see, you know, invariably what happens are teams that have good farm systems eventually do have competitive teams in the big leagues. Right. Um, and some of those whether, guys are going to pan out, right? Right. I mean, some of those guys are going to pan out. And often what happens is, especially if they're the, the, the farm system is, you know, one of the top and I'm not patting myself on the back at all, regardless of the rankings. If you're a, a top farm system, you compete and often you compete before you think you're going to, 
You know, mm-hmm. look at the Baltimore Orioles this year. Now they have right. the number one farm system, um, but that that's happened. You know, my my colleague Jim Callis has pointed this out a few times. Like, it, it and then they compete, and then they kind of fall back, and then they compete maybe for a longer stretch. And perhaps the Rockies, right or wrong, I don't know, feel that even though they're however many games out of first place they are, that the the gap between them and the teams at the top of the division or in the wild card race, there's not that much separating them that next year they might take a step forward in that direction. And then then you'll have to wait and see where if suddenly they're contending for the playoffs, maybe they will dip into some of the offensive depth. Now, one thing that makes it a little tricky, they don't have a log jam at the top of their system. Mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of positions, right? So it's not like, well, you've got three shortstops and double A and triple A. Right, they don't have a position all. of depth that they can kind of necessarily deal I from, I mean, right? they do, you know, so they, they've got some good offensive depth, but it's kind of spread out amongst the levels and around the position. Right, so you're so, going to be having a hole at the, at some point, right? Right, right. So you, you could make a decision to trade an outfielder because you have some outfield depth, but it's not like, they have four center fielders. Oh, it makes sense. Or, or a bunch of shortstops or catchers. Um, you know, they have two catchers who are interesting. One of whom I'm not sure can catch. Uh, in um, <laughs> well, that's the thing is that the know, fact that the, a catcher yeah. for this, a catcher for this team, man, oh, yeah. it's just been a, it's been a black that's hole. A black hole forever. Yeah, so. Well, they have, they have, a, they, they have their future starter, but he's going to be in double a next year, probably right. in Drew Romo. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to put the cart before the horse because he's still, you know, so young uh, and catching development is a whole different thing because of both sides of the ball. Hey, Johnson, is is the philosophy you're talking about with them, draft and develop, draft and develop, we hear it all the time. Is the reason they've been leaning towards college players in the last few drafts so they'll get here quicker? I mean, because they don't, they're not willing to go out and make moves and they're not willing to, to, um, to let a high school guy like Drew Romo marinate for Four or five years. I mean, they got to get guys here quicker. I mean, Zach Veen and Drew Romer were two high school guys, and they're in their top four. So, I know. you know, um, depends on how far you want. But I mean, Tobley is here. Tobley is here already. So, right. I mean, Tobley here got got here barely barely got a cup of coffee at AAA before he got here. So, right. And he's a college. Yeah, guy. I, just I think there's something to be said about that. College guys something to be said about that because and and it goes <laughs> along with what you were saying, Jonathan. That a lot of times you find where you're suddenly ahead of schedule. You know, and the Rockies. It all just kind of came to a head in 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 uh, August. I mean, it's like suddenly everybody's hitting, and it's like wow. And Montero's up here now, and all that stuff. So it's like, you know, when you see stuff like that, obviously guys go on hot streaks and stuff. But I, I think you know, again, given the Rockies' philosophy on these things and and all of that, and given how quickly, fourteen games at AAA, you know, and yeah. Mike Michael Togli is up here. So I think um, that might, like you said, change the calculus for this team in uh-huh. the immediate future because. Maybe next year you've got you got totally a first base, right? Yeah, it, it might be, and they may you know it may be. Uh, hey, you've been swinging the bat well. Um, we're going to have to add you to the forty man anyway. Might as well right. sort of give you a chance to a see what it's all about. And so he's ready to. Good point. Like the, the Diamondbacks calling up Corbin Carroll, who it was a high school kid, but also hadn't played a whole lot of minor league baseball. Different kind of player, but very much looking at twenty twenty three as when he's going to make a real impact, why not give him a chance to show what he's going to do? And in terms of Mark, to your question, in terms of the, the causers of high school, you know, Bill Schmidt has always been a, you know, a true sort of old fashioned scout who uh, you know, who goes on evaluations. It's not that they don't use analytics. So it may have just been, that's what the draft gave them, 
you know, and I think he's very much that kind of, guy. but also if when they're looking at their system heading into this year and you had guys like Tovar and Amador and Romo who are super young at the lower levels and, you know, they're thinking, well, they may take a step forward. Then you add college guys who can join them at that level. Yep. Then you have a whole mess of talent. And I talk about that pool, the, the teams that are ready to compete start to have a, a, a pool of talent in double and triple a, and that creates competition and it creates the ability to make moves if you if you if you need to, and it's even helpful at the big league level because if you're in the big leagues and you know that uh, you know super hot prospect in AAA can take your job, you're going to get the best out of that major league player also, even if you know even if they're young. So um, that's that's the win, and I think maybe the hope is that those guys can meet the the Tovars and, and Amadors and Romos and even Zach Veen is and you know they have guys in AA now who are super young. And that's not something they've had for a while, you know, and then I get like a guy like Sterling Thompson from this year's draft, who is a really polished hitter and could be in double a next year at some point, uh, you know, and, and this year's draft was a really interesting mix of those sort of advanced college guys and, you know, some exciting high school, you know, high school guys, especially on the pitching front. You know, it's interesting because the uh, Rockies, you know, they have been there, like Mark said, draft and develop is their thing. And then they kind of squandered their window with the last round or the last wave of these guys with Arnado and Story and all this, all this group, Freeland. So I guess, <laughs> you know, around here, it's kind of, there, there, it's kind of, there's this insecurity, I think, among Rockies fans, because they know it's great to have, you know, uh, a new crop coming. But at the same time, it's like, oh, man, how's it going to be? And the other thing is, is like a lot of times I think people around here think, why don't they why don't they kind of use the raise A's or A's every seven years or whatever model where it's like, you know, sell, sell high, you know what I mean? And then start the start the process over again, probably because of the fact that they're right. I'm answering my question, my own question. They're home, they're draft and develop and they don't want to mess with well, that. I mean, listen, if everyone if everyone could do what the Rays did, they'd be they do doing it, it. I right. mean, because no one in that kind of market size has had a strong farm system and competed for as long as they have. They mm -hmm. had a little dip in the yeah. farm system for a little bit that they recovered quickly. It's, you know, they, there's a perfect synchronicity in their amateur and professional scouting department. So they'll make trades that like may not make as much sense because they're trading like one minor leaguer for another, or a guy who young made it to the big leagues for a minor leaguer. And that minor leaguer ends up being, a, you know, a top 100 guy two years from now. So it's just their ability to find talent everywhere to keep it churning. You know, you can't just draft and develop. You know, you have you right. know pro That's have kind to, of this idea that we are guys. like wondering about. Like it's like that's Bill Schmidt. Every time he talks to the media, it's we're drafting and develop. That's our identity. And I know he doesn't mean like that's all we do, but at the same time, that's all they do. <laughs> it's kind of all they do. So it's like yeah. you gotta add something to it. And the other question about this organization, I think that is kind of just on the periphery. It's not we don't really know the details, but as far as like the synchronicity, like you said, between scouting and um, between levels of the minor leagues. And in, in fact, when they're developing guys, um, how much of the develop part is happening here? Because we've talked to guys on this yep. program that have said, and eh, they could use a little work. Well, I mean, that's why they made some of the changes they have, right. In terms of the front office. And, you know, I think there are a few things to play. There've been so many changes you have, yeah. to, even though there's continuity because the people who slid in to spy, right. You know, Bill Schmidt's now the general manager. He's obviously been part of the organization for forever. Danny Montgomery has been there for forever. Chris Forbes had been a part of the player development staff, but you have to give these guys some time. Uh, you know, clearly there was a recognition that there were some things not working, but you can't flip a switch 
sure. and suddenly have continuity top down in, within player development. Mm-hmm. You can't make sure that that you know amateur scouting and pro scouting are always and player development are always rowing in the exact same direction. I think you know I think that takes some time to to foster, and very few places have have, have done it. You know, many, you know, I live in Pittsburgh. Yep. And uh, yeah, yeah. they largely, you know, were draft and develop, and then they started winning and they made some trades and then their window closed. And it, it's really hard. <clears throat> like I said, you know, the Dodgers can keep doing it because they can, they can afford throw, to, they can throw money, <laughs> yeah. but they also really, really and they smart. also draft and develop everybody else. Right. They draft and develop really, really well. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they find, you know, you know, I, th- I think like Jaden Hill, to pick a specific example is a Dodgers type of draft pick mm-hmm. um, in terms of like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to take this guy who's hurt and, you know, see what happens. You know, early reports <laughs> on Jaden Hill are very exciting. You, have, you know, pump the brakes a little bit, but those are the kinds of risks you have to be willing to take. And that's kind of what I liked about, you know, and Jaden Hill obviously was last year, but a little bit of a shift in terms of the scouting and being willing to take the high school guy, and being willing to um, take some risks. I'm looking, you know, at their, Jackson Cox is a guy who really excites me in terms of them trying to adjust their pitching. Like you have to be willing to take some risks along the way and having a, a farm system on the rise, I think enables you to take some of those risks, right? These guys, uh, not pitching wise, because uh, they could put pitching in anywhere and it would be a help, but you have guys who are starting to move up. Then maybe you can go exciting high-end high school guy because he can take the time to develop. You don't need to get him there super quick and, uh, and, and things of that nature, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. And like I said, um, you know, the Rays blueprint, what they're doing is, is phenomenal and it's remarkable and no one else can do it. Yeah. So has, you're has shown they can do it basically. And that's a good point. I think that needs to be cemented around here is that as much as the Rockies have taken a beating, you know, from the outside because of all the things that have gone on the last few years, the turmoil with uh, things changing on the roster and, and and in the front office, it takes time for the residue to settle and for the dust to settle and everything to kind of start grinding, The everything starting to go in the right direction again and kind of, like you said, a cohesive movement toward one common goal rather yeah. than all these pieces that are kind of, dysfun- you know, a little bit dysfunctional. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it's a cliche, but the whole Rome wasn't built in a day thing is, is true, even if it's the same architects by and large. Right. But, you know, they're they 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 tried to identify and, and make changes because of the issues they were having. Now, you can't give them forever to, to fix it. Obviously, sure. this is a, a business where winning games is 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 the capital. But, you know, the, there needs to be some time given to let whatever changes those in charge now are, are going to make with how how they do things on the scouting and the player development side. This year has been a very encouraging year uh, because guys have performed and not just for a month, but for a year they've been uh, challenged, you know, with, with levels, uh, you know, guys have taken huge steps forward and, and um, you know, that, that that's encouraging and can, you know, should lead to, good things down the road. Jonathan, um, about 20 years ago, Rockies uh, got rid of Larry Walker and, be, and embarked on what they called Generation R, Todd and the Toddlers. They kept Todd Helton around, but everybody else was young. And and it took them six, seven years to get good. And that was, I guess, before the term tanking was popular, but that's essentially what they were doing. Um, but they ended up 
drawing less than 2 million people the only time in franchise history during that spell. It was down business-wise as well. That's probably why, and Manny and I talk about this a lot, they're not willing to tank again because they are not willing to go through this place where people aren't coming to watch the games because these players are so young and not, not competitive. On the other hand, there's got to be some commitment to adding pieces, not necessarily Chris Bryant, huge pieces, but pieces via trade to, to enhance the, the tank, the, I guess you're not doing it, not calling it tanking, enhance rebuilding, which again, another word they don't want to use around here. Is there um, any, what's the big mix? I mean, I think it really depends on the market and what they're willing to spend and how, like, uh, to, to my earlier point, Mark, of how how much closer they feel that gap is between them and the other teams in the NL West, which may be different than, you know, what we see if on you, paper. If, you can't, if you're going to do it Tampa way, is there another way? Is my I guess my point. Well, sure. I mean, there are there are more than one. There's more than one way to do it. But if you're looking, you know, and and to to be honest, like Denver is a larger market than than Tampa. Like they, yep. if they wanted yep. to, they could spend more money. You know. So, and I honestly, I say that without having any idea what the payroll is in Colorado right now. One forty. Um, okay. You know, if they're willing to continue to sort of spend at a decent clip, then yes, they should. And that kind of goes back to the you know, getting, making sure that pro scouting and major league scouts are on the same page so that when you make those free agency decisions, they work. Uh, you know, the Dodgers can sign free agents and if they don't work, they can just sign another free agent and the Yankees too. Mm -hmm. But both, you know, both organizations learn the Yankees, especially and the Red Sox that you can spend as much money as you want. If your farm system is really, really thinned out, it's not going to work because you need some kind of balance. And I think, in a place like Colorado, you probably need a little bit more help from the farm system. You're not going to spend a gazillion dollars or go over the luxury tax or whatever, you know, whatever the limits are. So it, it's just finding finding that balance and being able to be astute in bringing in players. And I think that's the, another thing the Rays do really well is that anytime if I'm if I'm on another team and the Rays have claimed one of my players off of waivers, I'm going to immediately worry that I made a mistake. Just because time and time again, they find these guys that seem sort of like scrappy guys and maybe they don't, maybe they don't become superstars, but they become contributors to a team and they're very good. And it's not like it's like uh, North Carolina's basketball system in the days of Dean Smith. You had to play a certain way. The Rays like adapt, right? They bring a guy, they see what his strengths are. They help him improve those strengths and they use them. You know, that that whole idea of like trying to put people in a position to succeed, that's what they yep. do, you know, and that's, you know, that's the that's the scouting, that's the coaching. Uh, it's it's all of those things. And, you know, so they they're not no other team is going to do it exactly like them, but they have to find what the right balance is to kind of well, get them back. You know, well, let, let's, <clears throat> let's take the Rays and the Dodgers out of the mix. Who's the farm system? Who's the model that the Rockies should be following? Then who, who should they try to be and like? With, and with the caveat, or... I'll, I'll I'll throw this in there, Mark. With the caveat that this is Colorado, <laughs> it's like you can't. Yeah. This is a place okay. where they've been trying everything under the sun to to win up here at altitude. So obviously that's a caveat when you're comparing. That's, that's you know, and they've they've never figured it out, right? They've never mm. totally figured that out, and I don't know what the answer to that question is. Um, I don't know Baltimore. Who's it? You know, I'm, you really? know, and, and I'm, I'm trying to think huh. like market size, you know, they brought in a new right. GM. I mean, they had a start, they had nothing. Now they went all in, right. Okay. And yeah. they, uh, they, uh, they traded away guys and, 
and you know they picked early in the draft and you could even argue that they got too cute picking early in the draft you know cutting deals and things like that yeah. but you know they didn't miss when they had the number one pick the last time around and adley rushman's mm-hmm. really good yeah no i mean yeah. and they also got Gunnar henderson in that draft and he's going to help them maybe this year so and and their system is deep now because they had you know they brought in guys that trade you know maybe a little bit closer mm-hmm. and now you know they're in latin america for the first time in decades the really? previous regime ignored latin america like literally ignored latin oh. america um wow. which is That's mind-boggling to me yeah but yeah. what michael Elias did was he started with that and, and they haven't reaped the benefits of that at all so you know so far but i'm just trying to think of you know that they went full in rebuild and here yep. they are you know it certainly took a little while but they're they're an exciting team and there is an awful lot of talent waiting uh that's not even there yet so you know mm. I, you know and, and they use a lot of analytics, but they they do regular scouting. You know, Mike Elias was a, you know a scouting director, and so maybe I don't know, maybe that that's a good balance. I think Houston, you know, they obviously made the big splashes at times at the big league level, but the, they had a very very good farm system for a while. Again, they were a terrible team, and uh, then they built it back up. Uh, they for a long time did a really good job on the pro scouting side, identifying those guys that they got like from the complex leagues that no one really knew as a throw-in in a trade, and you know, end up being the 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 best the best player in the deal that they made. So looking at um just kind of from a thirty thousand foot view here, you know, you ask managers about this or you ask players about this. Well, really, if you ask managers about this, they're like, I'm not falling for that. I'm not taking the bait on this question. And that is what's the time frame? You know, I was talking to, I was talking to uh, the, I was talking to Tori Lovello about that. I was like, all right, you know, like, where do you see this? And it's like asking somebody their five-year plan, except there's, you know, you can't do that here in this, in this sort of business. But for, for, if I was to ask you, when you look at this system here now that, that the Rockies have, obviously things change. I mean, people accelerate, people regress, but if you had to just put a, just a wild guess on where this team is in five years from now, so many things can change. That's an eternity. In five in years. Where is this? Where? How? How are they looking in terms of the major league product? You know, I think it, it, it's it's hard to answer that question because there are so many variables that come into sure. play. And the biggest thing is that, as exciting as their farm system is, there's not a whole lot of talent ready to come. You know, ready to be in the big leagues right now. Yeah. Now, right. if all you know if all things click and that's a ridiculous thing to say 20 that gives us a, a, pers- a point of you know, if we're uh, looking you know, at 20 like that i mean i think say you know 2024 is a year that like the team starts to get interesting 2025 they're competitive okay and knowing that there's all these guys coming in behind them and that okay. they to, and they have to keep feeding that in the draft and you know and internationally which is what uh the you know, one one area that they've they've done a good job and and they have to figure out how to develop pitching. I mean, it's always that it, it seems like the most obvious thing. And I don't know what the answer to it is. Um, they have some interesting arms and we're going to have to you know, wait and see, you know, Gabriel Hughes, Jaden Hill and Jackson Cox could be, you know, your one through three in the rotation in 2026. Okay, I'm going to ask you another crystal ball question, Jonathan, more individual focused. The Rockies in their history have had one rookie of the year, Jason Jennings, one. Who's the next guy who could be the rookie of the year for the Colorado Rockies? That's a good question. I'm going to say Ezekiel Tovar. 
I mean, you know, it's, mm-hmm. obviously he's your number two prospect. It's not uh, going on a limb. And listen, I think Zach Veen could be a rookie of the year, but I also think Zach Veen could be a mid-season guy who doesn't play enough to win rookie of the year. And, and you know, right. he may not put up, uh, especially power-wise, huge numbers. Um, I think the step forward, step forward that Tovar made this year makes him one of the most exciting players in, in baseball. I saw him in the fall league last year. Yeah, you told us about that last fall. Yeah, really and and it was, you know, offensively, if you saw him one at bat, it looked like he hadn't hadn't held a bat before. And then all of a sudden he was on time and you know, crushing balls out. So you like like it's there and he was super young. He was way too young to compete at the level. But the thing that's amazing is that what he learned and carried over to this year. And defensively, you could you know, as we said when we talked the last time, he could play defense in the big leagues right now. So you're talking about a gold glove caliber defender who now suddenly has, you know, a really interesting offensive profile. He's exciting. And he, you know, is one of these guys, what is he? 20, he just turned yeah. 21, right? Um, like this, right. this month. Yeah. He just turned 21 this month. If you told me that he's going to be in the big leagues next year while he's still 21, I would believe you. And if the Rockies want to try to make a statement, you think breaking Michael Tolley up is, is a statement. Yeah, I let Ezekiel Tovar compete for the big league job at shortstop next spring. Yeah, man, that's what I want to see him do because do. this year he tore it up, and obviously he's too young and and not, not seasoned enough. But with what he's shown this year, I mean, he got hurt a little bit, but what what he's shown this year, I mean, th- there's, there's no, no reason, reason to think not, he can't break yeah. camp with this team. And he's he clearly has the sort of maturity to handle a challenge. You know, the fall he was a short simple play. So if he goes out and doesn't hit, he it's he's not going to, he's not going to go into a tank. He's not going to carry out to to the field with him where he's still going to be a, a plus because of, of the glove. And he put up, I mean, he's like five forty-five, and he plays his home games in Hartford, you right. know, like this is not, this isn't this is an Albuquerque. Asheville, right. Yeah. This isn't Albuquerque. Right. So it's it, it, like, he's, he's a, uh, there's a reason why we moved him way up in our top 100 rankings. And like, he's, he's a really exciting player at a premium position. So, and listen, you give him every chance to win the starting job. And if he doesn't, you know, you tell him, just get to work, go to AAA. You're going to be back soon. He'll be back soon. He, it's not gonna, he's not going to suddenly become sullen because he didn't make the team. I don't think he's that kind of guy. Wow, that's a great answer. Hey, Jonathan, we really appreciate you joining us. As, as always, you have a wealth of information. Oh, you're busy. Um, lots to chew on there. Lots of us, lots to think really about, but stuff. it's good to have some good news to talk about. Well, we really appreciate it's it. fun to talk about and have some positive things, but we'll check back in a year yeah. and you can there be you like, go. you were way off. <laughs> well, maybe we'll talk to you this fall from the fall league and see how you, what you're, what you're seeing down that. there. I would love that. We appreciate it. Jonathan, thanks, thanks man. There Always go. great. There he goes, Jonathan. Man. Hey, Manny, you got a closer for us? Yep, coming up. All right. Well, stay with us. It's the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. We're back right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. The Colorado Rockies haven't exactly been the darlings of the baseball world in the past few years. After the departure of superstar third baseman Nolan Arenado, followed by star shortstop Trevor Story the next year, it was clear that this was a club that needed drastic change. 
but with drastic change comes a requisite time frame for success to begin to materialize. Sure, signing 30-year-old Chris Bryant to a $182 million mega deal for seven years is a questionable move, as have been other moves the Rockies have made in recent years. But as far as the farm system is concerned, our guest on today's podcast nailed it. MLB Pipeline's Jonathan Mayo knows minor league baseball better than most anyone. And he made a great point when he said that following changes in the front office in Denver, even if those changes basically boil down to a shuffling of personnel that has been with the organization for years, it takes time to get everyone pulling on the rope in the same direction. That, coupled with the fact that MLB Pipeline has the Rockies system ranked number nine in baseball after it had been in the bottom ten of MLB for years, is a big deal. A really good 2022 draft haul, plus some really impressive performances of certain prospects, including first baseman Michael Toglia, who made his MLB debut Tuesday night in Atlanta, has placed the spotlight on the Colorado system in a positive light for the first time in a long time. With the additional built-in difficulty of winning at altitude, the Rockies are going to need some time to figure things out. But, as Jonathan said, some time doesn't mean forever. And next year, as the Rockies celebrate the 30th anniversary of their first game as a franchise, there will be exactly zero division title pennants flying at Coors Field. The clock ticks on at the corner of 20th and Blake. Manny completes another show, and we're off to catch more Rockies action, featuring some young players in the lineup the rest of the way. Let's watch and see what the immediate future holds, and we'll see you next week on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.